Blog Talk Radio. You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. Okay, so today is March 8th, 2022. Um, I wasn't able to uh, get an episode already to go today because I was exhausted. I woke up around, it goes around noon, and threw up for about an hour and a half. And then... uh, and then I went back to bed, and I woke back up at 5 p.m., so 
5 p.m., by the way, is when I'm supposed to be at work, but that's when I woke up. So, anyway, I grabbed my stuff and ran out the door, and I was about 15 minutes late. So, uh, Emmett has never programmed an episode before, but he did this time. And he actually found the book that I wanted to read. So, thank you, Emmett. Emmett, say something. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Okay. I was trying to connect I, my headset. I was... All right. And, Kim, are you there, uh, too? Yep, I'm still here. Okay. Okay, so this is a paperback book that um, I found at Deseret Book, I think, around 1999, maybe 2000, so 20-something years ago. And I really enjoyed it. And I grabbed all of the workbooks that go with the book. And at the time, it had a a tape set that went with it for the lectures, which was awesome. Later on, I would buy the DVDs. Um, I bought this this uh, program probably about four or five times over the years. And there are a couple, they're, well, they used to be kind of expensive. When I lived in St. George um, in 2003 to 2008, um, or no, 2003 to 2006. Anyway, um, I became friends with the author, James B. Cook, or James B. Cox. Or Jim Cox. He goes by Jim. So, and I would go over to his house like every Saturday and he would uh, talk with me and teach me. And I don't know, he was a state president, but he understood some things that really changed my life. And even though this, uh, this book is not going to convey the fullness of what he had to offer, it's going to be a good read. So usually I read Ogden Kraut books, and with Ogden Kraut books, I put the uh, the text to the book on uh, on Tumblr, and I make it available. But with this one, it's re- we're reading it right out of the book. So there will be no text. There's nothing for you to read along with. You're just going to have to listen to the words that we, as we read it, and give some commentary on it. Anyway, the first section is called A Brightness, uh, A Perfect Brightness of Hope. And this book is called How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today. And it's no joke. It's one of the greatest books I've ever read. Seriously. (laughs) So, but since I didn't do a pre-recording. Um, we're going to have Emmett take care of that. Um, Kim, where are you at specifically? Going up four miles. How much time before you uh, get into the Emory? Um, I'll be breaking up in about uh, three to five minutes. I'm behind a close Okay, hey, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Thank you. Okay, hold on. Can you dedicate with a prayer? 
and then have Emmett read. I'm going in the depth. Yep, I've got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Our Father who art in heaven, we come before thee this evening and give thee thanks for all of thy many blessings that thou hast given unto us. We're grateful for the time that we have, the opportunity that we get to be able to read um, together and to be able to learn and understand um, the higher things of heaven. And we ask thee to please be with and watch over us as well as our listeners and be able to um, help us to feel the Holy Spirit as we are enlightened and learn of uh, the knowledge that you have in store for us this day. We ask thee for thy understanding and um, we ask also for uh, any tangent that thou will lead us on that is of thy word as well. And we thank thee, Father, for allowing us to be thy servants and to be helpful and be thy mouthpiece. And this we pray in your beloved name and in the name of Jesus Christ and Yeshua. Amen. 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 Thank you. So, um, I was just going to say, I was asking for specifics because I just wanted to know where you were and I was getting to the dip and I needed you to be quick and that's why I'm like, I don't need the details. I just want the specifics. So, anyway, I appreciate that though, Kim. Uh, Kim will be reading later on when she gets home. Um, But Emmett's going to start with the introduction now. So, Emmett, go ahead and do it like we do each uh, each book. Read one page. If the sentence goes over to the next page, finish the sentence, and then let us know uh, just by like just by saying the page number that you are going to. And then uh, if Kim or I or you have any commentary on that page that you just finished, then uh, then we'll we'll talk at that time. So I'll mute myself on my headset, and we'll just all mute ourselves on our headsets. That way, if uh, you know if we have something to say, we can say it real quick, and then we can mute ourselves in case there's any background noise. So so go ahead, Emmett. Are you ready? Uh, more or less. <laughs> okay, and you found two of these books, you say? Yep. Oh, One is cool. significantly okay. lower quality than the other, but yeah. It's because it's older. I found, I think I found one at Deseret Book. Or maybe I just, I don't know. I found one somewhere else, but I had the old one. All of my tapes and CDs, they all get destroyed. I actually wore this that taped my first set out, I wore them out. They got eaten by my tape player eventually because they were so wore out that, you know. So, and then I've had the DVDs and the CDs, and uh, I try to take care of them, but things happen. So, anyway, go ahead, Emmett, with page, the first uh, introduction 
preface whatever it is. Okay, so this is like a little bit more than a page, but it's the introduction, so I'm going to read the whole thing. So, introduction. Are you qualified for the Celestial Kingdom? Do you feel that if the Savior, Savior came today and the resurrection were to take place now, you would receive a celestial body? Can you say in your heart, I am ready to meet the Savior? How do you feel about yourself? Are you excited about who you are, what you are doing, and what your potential is? Do you know the course you are on, or do you know that the course you are on is acceptable to the Heavenly Father and His Son? Do you feel it is possible for one sin, for one to sin and still feel good about himself? How does God feel about you? Does He love you even when you sin? Does He walk with you daily? Can He feel His influence giving you direction every day? Do you know how to receive His direction daily? Do you know how to prepare for revelation, and can you tell when it comes? How can you know that your daily progress is acceptable to Heavenly Father, that He is pleased? Do you know how to overcome the effects of sin, that is? Do you know how to do away with the emotional drain that comes from past sins? Are you able to recall past mistakes and not feel emotionally bad but emotionally good about your life? Have you learned how to overcome doubt? Have you learned how to create good feelings about yourself? Do you understand the importance of not judging yourself? Do you ever feel uncomfortable when you attend church meetings and you are not doing all the speakers talk about? Or, no, it is doing all. That's weird. Um, do you feel peace and joy in your heart at all times? Do you feel it is possible to have peace and joy at all times? Do you feel that this life is a burden with too much to do and not enough time? Do you feel like a failure with your children, your work, your physical fitness, or your church work? Do you wonder if you will ever make it in life? In, it is the purpose of this book to discuss in detail what it takes to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. It will also talk about how Heavenly Father feels about each of us, how we can feel His love in our daily lives, how to stay in the straight and narrow path each day, and how to walk with the companionship of the Holy Ghost. The following materials were taken from various authors, prophets, and from the script, scriptures. I have experienced these principle, principles and concepts over the last 20 years, so I know they are true. Hopefully, I have acknowledged all authors as various ideas are discussed. I would like to pay special tribute to Dr. Sterling El Ellsworth, from whom I have learned the truth about performance and the feelings of self-worth, and to Dr. Jonathan M. Chamberlain for his work on self-defeating behavior. Especially, I appreciate the long hours of review and the many suggestions given by Dr. Burton C. Kelly and Dr. Richard Ellsworth. And that is the end of the introduction, pages one and two, technically. Anything to say? Okay, so what I want people to understand, that we're going to cover this stuff in this book, but I want people to understand that if they have the spirit with them, they are clean and forgiven of all of their sins, and they will qualify for the celestial kingdom if they were to die that day. It's keeping the spirit with you, not having the spirit every once in a while. And sometimes that's hard to distinguish if you have it all the time. Sometimes the only way that you realize that you've lost it or that you had it is because you're so used to it and you lose it. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what to tell people about that. I just, I just know that when I ask 
Heavenly Father something that's wrong, uh, that I've come to a conclusion with a misinterpretation or false interpretation of Scripture. The despair withdraws for me, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So anyway, um, but I want people to know that, like, if they can keep the spirit with them, that it's important because that that's how they can know that they are clean and forgiven of their sins. Uh, Kim, did you have anything to say about any of that or anything that was talked about in the first the first two pages? She might be in Emory County. Can you hear me? Others. I am in Emory County, yes. and I am breaking up back and forth. Um, no, but it is very um, useful and enlightening to hear you say that because it's something that um, we constantly need reminders of because a lot of times uh, we do feel insignificant. Other people make us feel as such instead of helping to um, make and um, helping everyone We tend to discourage and um, and not encourage um, everyone to grow to their fullest potential. So, anyways, I'm breaking up, but definitely excited about reading this book. Okay. Me too. All right, go ahead, Emma. What page are you on, by the way? Um, we are on page two, I believe. Or three, because you just read two. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Emma. Okay. Got it. A few basic principles. Before we can truly begin to progress, or progress, we must make certain our actions are based on true principles. Here are five principles that are so fundamental we should keep them in mind throughout the entire book. Principle number one: that we believe, to, or what we believe to be true, determines our actions. Suppose a man is climbing at the top of a mountain. As he approaches the top, he meets a six-foot grizzly bear. He needs to make a decision quickly. Should he run down the hill hoping to outrun the bear or go up to the bear, shake hands with him, and ask him the golden questions? At last, he decides to shake hands. Why? Because he has heard that a film company is making a movie on bears at the top of this mountain on this very day. He chooses to believe that this bear is really a man dressed in a bear skin. This man's ass or actions are based upon what he believes to be true and not necessarily upon what is true. This principle of action based on belief works in every aspect of our lives. What happens if you chose to believe everyone liked you, even if some didn't? If you really believed this, how would you treat them? You would be kind and sweet, open with them. You would show them respect. If someone showed disrespect to you or would not talk to you, you would assume they had a bad day or that perhaps someone had treated them badly. If you continued this course, eventually you would find that even those who did not like you at first would come to have respect for you. Why? Because people cannot continue to dislike a person who always treats them kindly, who points out their good qualities when talking to them or talking of them with others. This is the attitude God has asked us to develop. Second Nephi, uh, chapter 31, verse 20. For we must love... God, like all men. But what would happen if you chose to dislike some people, perhaps because you felt they did not like you? You would begin to treat them disrespectfully. Though they were nice to you, you would not treat them. 
you would wonder what they were up to. As a result, though they did like you at first, they would eventually come to feel uncomfortable with you and dislike many things about you. Principle number two. Results are based on what is true. Okay, that is page four. Uh, anything to say? And like, That is page three, starting page four. Yeah, um, when mom gets home uh, and she's reading, I want you to look up the scriptures. If they're just going to give, uh, like, a reference, I want you to go to that scripture. So you need to read ahead. And when mom gets to the scriptures, if there's no quote there, I want you to find it before she gets to it so you can read it. Um, so about the bear suit, like, okay, well, if you choose to believe that there's a man in a bear suit and you're wrong, there are severe consequences to your belief system. And one of the problems with today's society is we don't realize how much in bondage we are. Like the Egyptian uh, Israelites, they understood that they were slaves. We don't. They understood that that they were in captivity. We don't. We think caged propaganda and lies and and beliefs that are not true, and uh, being led astray by prophets who proclaim to be prophets but don't have the fruits of being prophets. That's why I wear black all the time, because I'm actually really upset about this. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in mourning, like quite literally, because of the delusions and the captivity of my people. They don't even know that they're in captivity. Anyway, Kim, did you have anything to say? I understand it, but um, it kind of needs a little bit more explaining because um, sometimes it's hard to make those gaps, those bridges right there um, in between what is actually being said and then what it, how it applies to our lives right now. And like what you're saying, and I don't know how well you guys can hear me because I am in a bad area, but um, it, it is difficult to see that you are still in bondage right now. The difficult part is where, um, you know, Satan, Lucifer, government, they have been so much better at keeping you in this lie and in this delusion where now they use the people to create the money to support the government um, instead of having it, um, you know, the government helping and supporting the people or instead of um, having united orders and um, being able to um, look to God, it's now um, been created where government is this God to the people. And, um, and yeah, and it's just been a total replacement. But they've done it so slowly and so, um, you know, clever that it made it so that people don't even realize um, how much in bondage they are and how much a slave they are to um, the everyday mundane things that they have to do in order to jump through all the hoops to... Um, be able to survive and live and help their families and um, and it just took the place of 
of God, and it made people um, question whether or not there was a God even because of the um, intertwining of all of this. Um, well, they, they trust in yeah. that the government wants to be their God. So yeah. it's, it's I, very in-depth and psychologically implanted since we were young. Kim, I wasn't done talking. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just have to let you know I'm not going to be on for a minute because then it's mine. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I'm assuming I'm going to continue reading now. Uh, Principle number two, results are based on what is true. Apply principle number one to the following situation. A man jumps off a two-story building believing that he will not be hurt. His action is based on what he believes to be true. However, when he hits the ground, he breaks his back and one leg and cracks several ribs. The results of his jump are inevitably based upon what is true when one jumps off a building regardless of what he believes to be true. If he chooses, or if one chooses to believe that stealing is okay because everyone does it, he has not looked at the inevitable results of such a decision. When he is caught, what he believes to be true will have no effect on the demands of justice. In fact, even if he is never caught, justice will receive its just due in other effects of his life and in the next. Principle number three. Most things we believe are learned. For example, how should one keep the Sabbath day holy? Indeed, which day of the week is the day of rest, or the day to rest from our labors? What should we do to keep this day holy? What are the benefits of keeping it holy? Answers to these questions are learned through experience. We are not born with these answers. This is true for all of life's, of life's deep questions. The need for honesty, chastity, modesty, the need to love and to be loved, the need for education, the need to raise a family, the need to be a good marriage partner. Associated questions such as how to set goals, how to plan, how to organize one's time, uh, how to cope with today's economic pressures, how to earn a living or build an estate, how to do missionary work or genealogy work. We are all answered through experience, through the things we learn. Problems arise when we have learned and accepted truths, untruths about ourselves or about others or about God or how we will gain salvation. Um, We're on page five now. Um, That was a really long sentence. Anything to say? That was a really long sentence. Um, Send... Uh, the girls out so that they can help get the things. Okay. Um, I don't have anything to say about that. Um, and he's at the mine, so you can go ahead and continue okay, on yeah. reading. I was like, from what I was heard, you were like in the middle of a conversation, and then you like all cut out. So I was kind of confused about that. <laughs> um, That's okay. Continuing on. Um, as we study together, to be prepared to evaluate your benefits, or as we study together, 
be prepared to evaluate your benefits. In finding truths, principle number fourth is the key for knowing truths so that one is not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of the doctrine. Ephesians 4.14. Um, that tossed to and fro part is an actual quote from that. I was actually reading that a second ago, so I think he is quoting it. It's just like sections of the specific quote. Okay, principle number four. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. Moroni 10.5 Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost. D and C, uh, section 8, uh, verse 2, page 2, I think. Uh, listen to your mind and heart. The Holy Ghost will help you as you progress towards the celestial kingdom. The Savior said that the Holy Ghost shall teach you all things and bring all things to your rem er, remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John fourteen sixteen, or no, 26. He will guide you in all truth, and he will only say what the Father and the Son would say. John uh, chapter 16, verse 13. He will show unto you all things what ye should do. Second Nephi chapter 32, uh, verse 5. Let this special gift of guidance by the Holy Spirit give you direction and understanding. Listen through your heart and mind and not by your mind alone. Principle number four teaches us an important truth about self-worth. Self-worth. Do not believe something about yourself unless you have received a confirmation from the Holy Ghost. For example, one sister came to me with a problem. Her husband was going to leave her. They had exchanged harsh, harsh words and had thrown a few things at each other. <laughs> She said, I guess I am not a good wife or mother. I have driven my husband from the home. It is my fault, and even God does not like me anymore. I might as well quit. I said, you mean when you prayed this morning, you got down on your knees and said, Heavenly Father, I guess I am no good. You do not like me anymore. I have failed as a wife and mother. So what is the use of continuing? And the Lord answered back, that is correct, my daughter. I do not like you anymore. I realized you would never, or no, I knew you never would make it. And I am glad you finally realized it. <laughs> now, of course, God did not say any such thing. She had not checked with him about these conclusions. These conclusions were from Satan, not from God. She had not prayed about them. She had allowed Satan to whisper to her, and she had accepted his whisperings. Principle number five. Each individual is responsible for his own growth. The law of free agency precludes anyone's taking... Er, taking over your responsibility for your salvation. Only you can choose and act for yourself. Others can persuade, motivate, and inspire you, but only you can give yourself direction and purpose by these influences. Samuel the Lamanite said, <clears throat> And now remember, remember my brethren, that whosoever perisheth, perisheth unto himself. And whosoever does or doeth iniquity, doeth it unto himself. For behold, ye are free, ye are permitted to act for yourselves. For behold, God hath given unto you a knowledge, and he hath made you free. Helaman chapter 14, uh, verse 30, I believe. Uh, life is like piloting an airplane. Others can teach you, be examples for you, inspire and support you. But you still must learn to fly the plane along. 
you must choose where your plane will fly, when and how long it will fly, and where it will land. Someone else may tell you what to do and where to go, but you must choose to obey, and you still must fly alone. You are responsible. You build an ex- er, and experience your belief system. The power to modify your life lies within your reach and no one else's. Upon request, Heavenly Father is always available to help you, but even then you are still responsible for your choices. That is the end of the introduction part, Mom. Do you got anything to say? Are you here? Oh, there's a crying child. I, I am here. Um, I don't have anything to add to that. I think it's it's uh, good the way they lay it out and the way it seems so basic. Um, because I think sometimes it's easier if we simplify um, things. So to me, it seems really generalized and uh, I mean, really basic. So okay, I'm not Dad, sure. are you still at the um, line? I'm taking that as a yes. Do you have anything else to say, Mom? Not really. Do you have anything to add, Emmett? I wish uh, I had also to not add really. that I was, like, busy trying to run around, get all of the things done up here at the mine. By the way, I'm going to the spur. Okay. So uh, hopefully I can get a power plant load next time so I can come by the house and grab some drinks and some food. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, yeah, I just, I missed the introduction. I'm going to have to listen to this after, okay. after okay. Uh, you know, we record it. I'll listen to it again because I, I really do want to hear all of this stuff. Yeah, and go more in depth. So, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to be able on? to go more in depth, but I didn't have any time to prepare, so I'm not exactly sure, you know, what to expect, and so I'm kind of just taking it as it is, so I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, I kind of wish that we had more time and we had the quotes all, you know, looked up already, because I would even be interested to see exactly what they're say, what the quotes say when they're talking about them, so, um, uh, but it's not bad for an impromptu um, reading, so it's okay. I'm excited to get more in-depth into it, though. Okay. Well, the quotes are mostly with, like, where it says they're quotes. It's just, like, using them in the thing. Which, yeah, that's happening. Um, so if no one else has anything to say, I'm going to keep reading. Unless, Mom, are you here? No, I'm, you can keep reading. That's okay. I am here. I'm okay. more trying to unload the car. Okay. Okay. Uh, continuing on then. Section 1, A Perfect Brightness of Hope. So you want to qualify for the Celestial Kingdom today. Do you have a perfect brightness of hope? That is, if the Savior came today, is there no question in your mind that you are prepared? Can you imagine within yourself the Savior saying, Come unto me, ye blessed, for behold, your works have been the works of righteousness upon the face of the earth. Uh, Alma 
I think Alma's chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, or are you filled with doubt and discouragement? Do you feel that there is too much to do, that you will never make it anyway? Uh, so why keep trying? Your flame of hope is almost out, and you often feel the church is a burden rather than a blessing. Do you know... Or no. You know the church is true. You love the prophets and are excited about all the good the church is accomplishing, but you feel unworthy to even picture yourself gaining a celestial body. Hope is so important that we must have it before we can progress farther. The purpose of this section is each of us gain that perfect brightness of hope. So we will gain that great gift of eternal life and experience peace and joy from this knowledge and confirmation. The following chapters develop the perceptions it will take for each of us to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. At the end of this section, suggested assignments are given so that one can make these uh, perceptions of the gospel his own and feel the joy and peace that come from the correct application of these principles. The first chapter will review the plan of salvation and help answer two big questions. One, how do I have... Or how long do I have to qualify for the celestial kingdom? And two, how long do I have to qualify for eternal life? The second chapter will cover what the scriptures and prophets say must be done to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. The third chapter will ask questions about man's journey to gain eternal life and give some answers. Pray before you read these chapters. Open your mind to revelation, understanding, and especially to the confirmation of the Holy Ghost. Unless a person is basically unrepentant, he should come to the end of this material with a new feeling of hope. And that is like, I guess, the introduction for the chapter instead of the whole book. <laughs> uh, anything to say? And what? And the chapter is called "The Perfect Brightness of Hope," right? Um. Yeah. This. So it's section one, and then there's chapters to the sections, or in the section. So section one is oh. "The Perfect Brightness of Hope," and then. Chapter 1 is A Plan of Salvation in the Celestial Kingdom. That's weird. Oh, that's going to be... That's going to make it hard to title the podcast. Usually, yeah, I that is say chapter 1 of blah, blah, blah. But, well, whatever. It, it is what it is. It, it's still a flipping good book. Like, I love it. Like, yeah. This man that wrote this book taught me more than anybody else about the scriptures and how to understand things. And it's directly because of this man in a way that I'm not going to talk about, but but it's directly because of this man that I was in the frame of mind where God could take me up and I could have a personal visitation with him. I never told him that, but he's the one he he helps me so much. Because like, I know I talked about my life a little bit before you know, before I met the missionaries. But I was a hard hard street kid. Like I was a hard god. Hardcore punk goth. And, like, 
God took the the drug addictions away from me, but he didn't change me in an instant. You know, I still had a lot of tendencies, you know, after my conversion, and it was like a pendulum. Like, I would swing towards the light, I would swing towards the darkness. Like, I still carried a lot of um, of anger because of all the stuff that happened to me. Um, and I just, it was hard to, you know, from the person that I am today, from the person that I was, like, it's a huge conversion, a huge change. And I, I'm still working on things. I think we all do, you know. But um, this book and the, the, if you can go out and find, maybe Amazon has it. I don't know if they sell it anymore. Uh, Deseret Book probably doesn't carry it anymore. I mean, this was a long time ago. But Becoming One with Christ, like, and the DVDs and the, the, I would get the DVDs. I would get the CDs, too, because they're, so what he did was he would go around to different stake centers or stake, stakes in the church, and he would teach from all of these different stakes. And people would request him. You know, and he, he would have packed stake, uh, stake buildings. And so he recorded one for the DVD where they got the camera out and they recorded it, and that's the DVD. And then at a different one, they recorded the audio. So they're two different meetings, but it's still the same principles. But he shares things a little bit different in each one. So anyway, I don't know. I love it. Go ahead, Emmett. <laughs> okay. Continuing on then. <clears throat> okay, chapter one of section one of how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. Yeah, that is a long title. Plan of salvation and the celestial kingdom. There's like this little diagram in the book. Um, it says a bunch of stuff. Uh, pre-mortal existence, veil, mortality, death. There's spirit, the spirit world. Um, there's paradise and spirit prism, it says, or prison. Then it says millennium. Uh, one, Christ reigns. Two, celestial bodies. Three, terrestrial bodies. Four, wicked burned. Or burned. Then it says Satan loosed. Then it says final judgment. Assignment of various degrees. Celestial, terrestrial, telestial, and the outer darkness. Okay, we have been taught by the prophets, and it has been confirmed by the Holy Ghost, that the plan of salvation outlined above is true. Oh, that's the plan of salvation. Okay, that makes sense. That is, each of us have existed before we came to earth. D&C, section 93, uh, page 29. Heavenly Father is the father of our spirits. Romans 8:26. We lived in a pre-mortal life as spirit children of heavenly parents. Uh, Abraham, uh, what is it called? Chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. Jeremiah 1, or chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. Um, There are a lot of quotes here. And when we agreed on the plan of salvation, we shouted for joy. 
uh, Job chapter 38, uh, verses 4 to 7. A veil was placed Job. over our minds, so Job, okay. Uh, Not Job. 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 His Job. name is Job, okay. Job. No uh, no J's. <laughs> Job. <laughs> his, I'm joking. Everybody his, says Job, so. His, his anyway. name is now Job. With a Y. Um... <laughs> A veil was placed (laughs) over our minds. Oh, I'm continuing on. A veil was placed over our minds so we could not recall our pre-mortal life with Heavenly Father. Okay, now that page is done. Do you have anything to say, Dad? (laughs) No, I'm good. What about Mom? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Mom. What about Mom? Mom. Mom, what about you? Okay, go on. Okay. Uh, we're abandoning mom then. <laughs> okay. We have been placed in mortality for several reasons. First, to gain a body like our heavenly parents, and second, to qualify for a kingdom of glory. B and C, section 130, page 22. Abraham, chapter 3, verse 26 to, to 26. I think there might be a typo there, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Either that or maybe that's just a really long verse, but he says 26 to 26. <laughs> um, and B and C section 88, pages 27 to 32. And there's a lot of quotes. Most of us will experience physical death in this life. Others who are righteous on earth, when the Savior comes, will not uh, taste of death but will live to old age and then be changed in the twinkling of an eye. B and C, uh, section 63, 50 to 51. The righteous who die before the millennium will be received into a state of happiness called paradise. And then it shall come to pass that the spirits of those who are righteous are received in a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace. Where they shall rest from all their troubles and from all their cares and sorrows. Alma, uh, chapter 40, verses, or just verse 20, 12. I think I have dyslexia with numbers. <laughs> That's 40, 12. Another blessing for those who qualify for paradise is that they will no longer be tempted by Satan. Um, there's a little footnote that says, Bruce R. McConkie, Mormon Doctrine, 2nd Edition, Bookcraft, 1996, page 782. Uh, with that. <laughs> Joseph Fielding Smith defined the righteous as those who have been baptized and who have been faithful. These, he taught, are gathered in one part and all the others in another part of the spirit world. Those who die before the age of eight are among the righteous. Can one qualify for paradise after death? It appears that spirits in prison can repent and then dwell with the righteous in paradise. Repentance opens the prison doors to the spirits in hell. It enables those bound with the chains of hell to free themselves from darkness, unbelief, ignorance, and sin. As rapidly as they can overcome these obstacles... Gain light, believe truth, acquire intelligence, cast off sin, and break the chains of hell, 
they can leave the hell that imprisons them and dwell within the righteous, or no, with the righteous in the place of paradise. And there are two footnotes somewhere. Uh, one is for Joseph Smielding, or Fielding Smith's uh, Doctrines of Salvation, Bookcraft, 1967. Uh, I'm assuming either Volume 2 or uh, Section 2, page 230. And then there is Bruce R. McConkie, Mormon Doctrine, page 755. When Jesus Christ returns... Oh, there's a subtitle there. Uh, Millennium Beings. When Jesus Christ returns to Earth, several events will take place that have great interest for each of us. The millennium will begin wherein Christ will preside over the Earth for 1,000 years. DNC, section 29, uh, page 11. The righteous who are in the grave, as well as those who are on the earth, will be lifted up to meet the Savior when he comes. DNC section 88, verses 96 to 90, or pages 96 to 97. Uh, then the earth, as well as the wicked who are upon the earth, will be burned. The wicked will go to spirit prison, and the earth will become uh, paradisical, fit ter- for terrestrial habitation. Satan will be bound, so he will not have a place in the hearts of man. Uh, yeah, paradisiacal. That's how. That's how it would be. Okay. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. Hey, mom, I got another book. Do you want it? Are you inside? Yep. I'm doing eggs with Eliza, but yep, I do want the other book, okay. and I'll be right there. Okay. Uh, I'm in the office, so you can come get it whenever you want to. Continuing on. Uh, paradisiacal fit for terrestrial habitation. Sorry, I had to sneeze. (laughs) Satan will be bound, so he will not have a place in the hearts of man. DNC section 45, page 55. Morning of the first resurrection, celestial bodies. Those individuals who are lifted up to meet the Savior when he comes are qualified to receive celestial bodies. Those in the grave will receive theirs the moment they are lifted up. Those who are alive upon the earth when the Savior comes will be quickened with a millennial-type body and will receive their celestial body in the twinkling of an eye when they reach the age of 100. Afternoon of the first resurrection. Terrestrial bodies. And after this, another angel shall sound, which is the second trump, and it then cometh the redemption of those who are Christ at his coming, who have received their part in that prison which is prepared for them, that they might receive the gospel and be judged according to men in the flesh. DNC, section 88, page 99. And there's a footnote somewhere. Uh, Bruce R. McConkie, The Millennial Messiah, Deseret Book, 1982, page 684. Or 48, 648. This is the afternoon of the first resurrection. It takes place after our Lord has ushered in the millennium. Those coming forth at that time do so with terrestrial bodies. And there's a footnote. Bruce R. McConkie, Mormon Doctrine, page 640. And now we're on page 12. Anything to say? All of the books are quoting from are in the library that's right next to you. Really? 
Yeah, cool. really, I have all of these books. <laughs> okay, um, it's it's gonna be a scavenger hunt now. Where where's the next one? I <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. I just wanted you to know. Um, but like most people who are in the LDS Church, they know these authors. You know, so. Of course, most people in the LDS Church won't read anything to save their lives, but I'm not interested in they who are still stuck on the milk of the gospel. I'm looking for those who are interested in the meat. So, and the meat are those who feast upon the words of Christ and the prophets. So, anyway, um, go ahead with the next page. What page are we on? Uh, 12. You're reading to page 25? I think so. Yes. Go ahead, Emma. Uh, Or page 17. I don't know. I'm just reading until it says chapter (laughs) 2. Okay. Um, Continuing on. These are they who rejected the gospel on the earth, but afterwards accepted it in spirit prison. They were blinded by the craftiness of men on earth, but were honorable. DMC section 76, pages 73 to 78. These are also they who accepted the gospel upon the earth, but were not valiant in their testimony of Jesus Christ while upon the earth. DMC uh, section 76, page 79. And next. Joseph Fielding Smith reviews the resurrection of terrestrial bodies as follows. In this resurrection will come forth those of terrestrial order who were not worthy to be caught up to meet him, but who are worthy to come forth to enjoy the millennial reign. Also in this class will be numbered... uh, Yeah, in this class will be numbered those who died without law and hence are not under condemnation for violation of the commandments of the Lord. What a phrase. The promise is made to them of redemption from death in the following words. And then shall the, the heathen nations be redeemed, and they that knew no law shall have part in the first resurrection, and it shall be tolerable for them. DNC section 45, uh, page 54. These two shall partake of the mercies of the Lord and shall receive the reuniting in body inseparably, thus becoming immortal, but not with the fullness of the glory of God. And then there's a footnote. Joseph Fielding Smith, Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 2, page 296 to 297. Um, Okay, continuing on. Judgments. We can see that several judgments take place throughout the plan of salvation. Before birth, each each was judged in determining where and when on earth he would live. Those who died before the millennium occurs will be judged in order to determine if they go to paradise or spirit prison. When the Savior comes, it must be determined who qualifies to be lifted up to meet him and hence qualifies for a celestial body. When the earth is cleansed by fire, the wicked will also be removed from the earth's life and sent to spirit prison, and therefore another judgment takes place. And finally, who qualifies for a terrestrial body 
will be determined in the afternoon of the first resurrection. Final judgment. Uh, what is? Uh, we're on page thirteen now. Anything to say? Mom. No. Um, I don't have anything to say. Uh, Kim, what are you doing? I think she's in the other room with Arius, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm in the kitchen right now. Are you making me chocolate cake? <laughs> um, no, and if you wanted chocolate cake, I could have totally got some while I was at the store, but I didn't want that kind of cake. I already had it. Um, well, yeah, but I didn't. Okay, audience, little tangent. <laughs> Yesterday was my Big wife's tangent. birthday. Yay. I got up way early, which is part of the reason I'm still tired. And he freaked so me I, out. Okay, Emmett dropped the call. He needs to call back in. Anyway. He is right now. Hold on. He's falling in. Okay. So anyway, um, but I couldn't be there because I had to work, right? So uh, Kim got surprised, too, because she had no idea that I had gone out and gotten her gifts and balloons and a little stuffed animal to hold the balloons down that said, I love you, and cards and ice cream, whatever, all the stuff. So she had no idea because they took her out on Sunday, and I was like, oh, I have to take you out today because I can't do it tomorrow because I'm going to be working. And I'm never really big on birthdays anyway. I could care less about my own. And, um, yeah, I think birthdays are for kids. But my wife is 10 years younger than me, so. Oh, wait, no, six. Six years younger than me. Are you six years younger than me? Kim. Four. <laughs> no, you're not four years. You're 39. I'll be 45 <laughs> this year. Okay, so anyway. you're old. Yeah, I'm an old <laughs> fart. I was born in 1490 in the sixth month on the 29th day to my Jewish parents, and I was raised in Wittenberg, Germany. I have stories. You should anyway, write a book. That's not, <laughs> I should write a book. I actually died in 1525. <laughs> and, and then I came back. Anyway, my tangents. My mom told me to get up and walk it off, and so I did. <laughs> yeah. I died, but my mom told me to get up and walk it off. So um, I have stories. I wrote a book. I lost the computer that the book was on. Actually, I've written two books, and they were both on the computer that was stolen. Anyway, so um, both of them are fiction books, by the way. Um, anyway, so I get home this morning, and I'm like, hey, I want some of that chocolate cake. And my daughter, Olivia the Hun, bring me her chocolate cake with no frosting on it. I'm like, where's the chocolate cake I bought for mom? Oh, there's just a little bit left. They ate the whole thing. Like, none for dad. Don't save any for dad. Let's give him the cake nobody wants. I didn't even have any of that. Well, 
Okay, where did all this cake go if nobody ate it? Because Amberly didn't eat it. You didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. Uh, Arius ate two helpings of it, and I packed mine for work. <laughs> Why aren't you reading, Kim? <laughs> Hello. That's a great are question. Are you going to read? Emmett, what kind of wraps are these that I'm eating in the darkness of my truck that I, I'm, they're <laughs> so tasty and delicious, but I don't know what they are? Uh, okay, you want to know why they're so tasty and delicious? Yes, I would like to okay, know why so, they're so tasty and delicious. Okay, so we ran out of lunch meat, so I cooked a steak, and I cut it up really thin and made it into a wrap. You should do that every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, we are off on tangents. We need to get back to the reading. Kim, are you going to read okay. or what? You said you're going to read when you got home. Yeah, yeah, I can do the reading. Um, then I will have to have him do the um, cooking, but we, I can do the reading. What am I making? Okay, um, but do you... Do you need me to bring you stuff or not? Because if you don't, then I can stop doing what I'm doing and I'll energy. just do that. I don't have any energy drinks. Oh, that's one. true. Like, you that has fun. to happen. So, so yeah, I'm trying to do that as fast I as I possibly can. Do you know what I mean? Okay, well, it'll be, it'll be another two hours before I even get over there, so... Okay. Because um, I'm just coming into Wellington now. I'm going to go dump this at the spur, and then I'll go back to the mine and try to get a power plant load. Okay. Okay. And I so should anyway. have everything done by then. That's fine. Um, but I'm trying to, you know, get everything in and out of the back of the vehicle and stuff like that. So I can do the reading, though, because Emmett can do this part or... Okay. So we're going to be reading Final Judgment right now on page 13. I'm not she's talking to you. No, he he said I believe so. He yeah, I had myself muted because I'm in the same room as mom and I don't want there to be a huge echo. Okay. Yeah. I'm so, stuck in traffic. In Wellington? What? <laughs> There's like a line of cars and I Is can't make farm? my left hand turn. <laughs> Is there a farm no. tractor or something? <laughs> yeah. Usually, yeah. Traffic in the place in where the middle we live of the night. Consists, of, <laughs> consists of a farm tractor or a herd of cows or a herd of sheep. <laughs> like for realsies. That's our that's our uh that's usually our uh our traffic problems down here. One time, I was coming out of uh, Orangeville, where we used to live, and I had to slam on my brakes because two cowboys were chasing a bull down the street. And (laughs) I stopped. This bull comes running across the street, rammed into the metal fence, and the two cowboys, like, roped it and dragged it back into the yard, uh, onto their property. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. Go ahead and read, Kim. Okay. Um, all right, final judgment. What is left to judge 
at the final judgment. The scriptures tell us that before this event can occur, Satan will be loosed for a season to gather his armies. That's um, in D&C 88-111. Now that I'm remembering, hey, Emmett, I know you can hear me. Can you bring me my phone so it's over here? Um, Because I do want to read these. um, uh, What are these called? I just want to read these quotes, too. Um, and if you don't mind, are we in a time crunch? Yeah, the scriptures? No. Are we in a time crunch? I want to do that? to okay. take as long as I have to take, and I would love it if you would read the scriptures. I'm, I, well, I have the app on my phone, so I feel like, you know, just give me a second. I have to open it up. and But once I'm in it, it's fairly easy to um, get into the right book. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. let's see. We're going to be in... D&C 88, verse 111, something that I like to do when they tell us this is I like to read it in context. So we'll be looking at a little bit before, maybe a little bit after when we do it. Okay, so 111, very small verse, and it said, And then he shall be loosed for a little season that he may gather together his army. So before that, the verse before puts it into context. Um, and it says in verse 109, And then shall the second angel sound his trump and reveal the secret acts of men and the thoughts and intents of their hearts and the mighty works of God in the second thousand years, and so on, until the seventh angel shall sound his trump, and he shall stand forth upon the land and upon the sea and swear in the name of him who sitteth upon the throne that there shall be time no longer, and Satan shall be bound, that old serpent who is called the devil, and shall not be loosed for the space of a thousand years. And then he shall be loosed for a little season that he may gather together his armies. That is verse 111. And number 112 is, And Michael, the seventh angel, even the archangel, shall gather together his armies, even the hosts of heaven. Um, so that's talking about the final judgment. Okay. And then it says, back to the book, those in spirit prison shall be resurrected with either a celestial body or with an unglorified body to be cast out into elder darkness. This is called the second or last resurrection. And you can find more about that in DNC 88 verses 24 and also verses 31 through 32. So because I am a relatively fast reader, it makes it easier to do this kind of research quickly. Um, So that's why I do it. I know sometimes it takes a little bit longer for people to find things and read, but um, that's why. They can pause it when they're listening to the the podcast part of it. But I was just going to say, my friend Eugene Richardson, he, I think he said he had a vision of where the uh, people who go uh, to the spirit depth, that they are cast into the outer darkness, which are the black holes which is interesting because not even light can escape a black hole. So we're talking about, like, everybody, like, believes in this magical fairy god or something with, you know, the bearded man in the sky. But let me tell you about the bearded man in the sky. He is our father. He's lived on worlds before this world. And he uh, and the society of the Elohim under the direction of God, the eternal father, are a very, very, very advanced, uh, they're technologically advanced, beyond, like beyond anything that you can even begin to imagine. I mean, it's ridiculous how advanced these people are. 
they travel on crystal ships, like, that can change. And, like, it's just, it's amazing. So, um, anyway, I, I don't know why I'm getting into that. I'm going to shut up. I'm just going to, yep, just going to shut up. I'm getting to the spur, though, so. <laughs> it's okay. Yes. Um, that's right. Okay. okay, so talking about the second or the last resurrection, um, in DNC 88, verse 24, it says, And he who cannot abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. Therefore, he is not meet for a kingdom of glory. Therefore, he must abide a kingdom which is not a kingdom of glory. So that's pretty interesting. And then it also says, um, in verse 31 through 32, because that's what they said. Um, let's see. I can just read straight through that. Let's not, let's not skip the middle, okay? We're just, it's going to take me a minute, but we're just not going to skip the middle. So continue on verse 25. This is DNC 88, verse 24 through 32, okay? And again, verily I say unto you, the earth abideth the law of, celestial, of a celestial kingdom, for it filleth the measure of its creation, and transgresseth not the law. Wherefore, it shall be sanctified, yea, notwithstanding, it shall die, it shall be quickened again, and it shall abide the power by which it is quickened, and the righteous shall inherit it. For notwithstanding they die, they also shall rise again a spiritual body. They who are of a celestial spirit shall receive the same body which was a natural body. Even ye shall receive your bodies, and your glory shall be that glory by which your bodies are quickened. Ye who are quickened by a portion of the celestial glory shall then receive of the same, even a fullness. And now this is 32, or verse 30. And they who are quickened by a portion of the terrestrial glory shall then receive of the same, even a fullness. And also they who are quickened by a portion of the celestial glory shall then receive of the same, even a fullness. And lastly, verse 32, and they who remain shall be also be quickened. Nevertheless, they shall return again to their own place to enjoy that which they are willing to receive because they were not willing to enjoy that which they might have received. Okay, just to put that in a little bit of context there when they're talking of um, outer darkness and the second or last resurrection. Okay, at the final judgment of our inheritances are given to us by our Heavenly Father. It is over. Our days of preparation are finished. It is time for us to sit at the table and enjoy the feast. This is the time when worthy people will be assigned to one of the three levels of glory. In the, in the celestial kingdom, there are also levels in the lesser kingdom. In the celestial kingdom, there are different degrees as one star differs from another star in glory. Even so differs from one another in glory. In the celestial world, or I'm sorry, in the celestial world. So um, now it says DNC 7698. So let me get into 76 and then 98. Um, I don't know. Emmett's trying to say something to me the same time that I'm trying to look this up, and I'm already doing two things at once. So Emmett, that's my three things at once is my limit. So once you get that on, it'll be easier. All right, so let's read the, the verse before that. Um, when we're talking about it differ, the levels of glory differing for one from another, it says to look through DNC 7698. Those per, or, so let's look at that. And so 96 says, 
And the glory of the celestial is one, even as the glory of the sun is one. And 97 says, and the glory of the terrestrial is one, even as the glory of the moon is one. So differentiated from the sun to the moon. And next it says, and the glory of the celestial is one, even as the glory of the stars is one. For as one star differs from another star in glory, even so differs one from another in the glory of the celestial world. So everything is um, in different levels of light. Okay. Continuing on. Those persons who will be cast into outer darkness will be so assigned. This is the day when we shall pause and review our mortal life upon the earth, our pre-mortal and post-mortal life, and reflect with awe. We will be pleased that we fulfilled the law, kept the commandments, overcame the world, suffered but endured, sacrificed, found forgiveness, walked by faith, and found strength in it. And most of all, experienced the love that Heavenly Father had for us throughout these various stages of life. We will be able to look into the faces of our Heavenly Parents and with tears in our eyes thank them for helping us to qualify for the great gift of eternal life. It is finished and we have arrived. And now we have a Q&A part, it looks like here. Okay, yeah, so um, on page 14, we'll be talking about question and then answer. Let's see how that works out. Did you have anything that you wanted to add to this? I know I've been going a little bit quicker, but... No, I think that we should just read for the two hours and put it on the, you know, we'll just read... We'll, I'll go in and I'll change the page numbers in the title so that it works. I'm I'm on the grid. I gotta go. I'll mute myself. Okay. Um. So, question: How long does one have in which to qualify for a celestial body? Um. The answer comes uh in Alma thirty four thirty two. And it says, we read, for behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. Amulek in Alma 34:35 warns, quote, for behold, if ye have procrastinated the day of repentance, even until death, behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil. And he doth seal you his. In other words, you're, you are the devil. Therefore, the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you and hath no place in you. And the devil hath all power over you. And this is the final state of the wicked. End quote. Again, that's from Alma 34, 35, um, and Amulek's warning. Apostle Melvin J. Ballard gives us greater insight into Amulek's words. He says, but this life is the time in which men are to repent. Do not let any of us imagine that we can go down to the grave not having overcome the corruptions of the flesh and then lose in the grave all our sins and evil tendencies. They will be with us. They will be with the spirit when separated from the body. It is my judgment that any man or woman can do more to conform to the laws of God in one year in this life than they could in 10 years when they are dead. The spirit can only repent and change. And then the battle has to go forward with the flesh afterwards. It is much easier to overcome and serve the Lord when both flesh and spirit are combined as one. This is the time when men are more pliable and susceptible. We will find when we are dead, every desire, every feeling will be greatly intensified. 
when clay is pliable, it is much easier to change than when it gets hard and set. This life is the time to repent. That is why I presume it will take a thousand years after the first resurrection until the last group will be prepared to come forth. It will take them a thousand years to do what it would have taken, but three score years and ten to accomplish in this life. That's um, from Apostle Melvin J. Ballard. Which um, did you have anything uh, to say? Means, we're on. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> which means seventy years, three score and ten. So a score of years is twenty years. So three score and ten is seventy. And um, Melvin Ballard is the father of M. Russell Ballard. And interesting side note. M. Russell Ballard is the husband of uh, our friend's cousin, and she just died on Sunday. Was it Sunday? Um, I'm I can't remember the day. It was very recently, though. It was sad. Yep. So, M. Russell Ballard's wife just died, and uh, and she's the cousin of, of the bishop of the Church of the Living Messiah, So, which is our really good friend, and we do not say his name, because we are protecting his identity, because he does not need to be known right now. Anyway, um, I'm just getting off the grids, going back to, to Lila. That's okay. I am just looking up the next um, script. Okay, so what we asked Emmett to do, um, he's doing some other things for me right now, and so we asked him to look ahead a little bit, and I was like, well, since you're talking, it'll give me the opportunity to look up the next scripture. Uh, okay, so, scripture, so um, I have it pulled up already. <laughs> yeah, just Hi, when, tell me when you're going to look up scriptures, and I'll try to, uh, like, say a thing. Um, also, okay. I want you to read the page number and keep going. I will interrupt you if I have something to say. Okay, but it's so sad because, you know, I'm a fast reader and we only have a couple more pages in this. I like Fine. to do this. I like to do studying with you on here and, you know, with Emma, with the kids and stuff. I like to do it. It's just that it makes life a little bit hectic because I'm trying to do all of the other things at the same time. Yeah. Yep. I so, know. Like I'm trying. we've got five kids and 12 goats and 20 something chickens yeah. and a dog. And I don't even know how many cats we have. We do have a pregnant cat. Anybody want kittens? <laughs> yeah, we have two cats who are pregnant. So, oh, yikes. Cyrus and Luna? Yeah, they're both pretty fat. <laughs> Good. And we don't fix them because we live on a farm and we want them to eat all of the mice that are everywhere, that are in the field. Like, uh, we didn't used to have mice in our house, and we don't have mice in our house now. So let no, me tell not right you now. a little story about <laughs> how mice got in our house. Uh, there was two incidences. Mm-hmm. Our eight-year-old, when she was sick, she no seven, she seven. came running in the house 
And she said, Mom! Kim. Yeah. Tell, she said, Mom, look, I caught a mouse. And she came running in <laughs> with a container. And sure enough, she caught this little baby mouse. And I freaked out. I was like, what are you doing? And she, w- she opened the top of it to show me. And I screamed, and it jumped out, and she and it ran down to the cellar. And I aired the basement, and basement. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I just, I totally lost it. And then she was like, oh, sorry. Like, she didn't know it was going to jump out of the container. And it ran down okay, to the basement. And I was like, ah. Oh. The other one, that the door was, was wide open in the summertime. Yes. And I walked out of the bedroom when I woke up. And I was like, why is the door open? And I looked down, and there's a mouse standing on the threshold of the door looking up at me. And then oh it ran in the house. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, by the way, people out there, if you have problems with mice because you live on a farm or whatever the reason is, um, if you bug bomb the house every couple months, you'll get rid of the yeah. mice. And then he you do flies. because it kills the babies, so they don't come it back. Kills ever, it kills them all. Well, so, it also helps um, out with spiders, too. We need to do it again because it's the springtime here. So, so we, have, uh, we, had an ex- we had an extermination guy come over. Mm-hmm. Oh, my and he gosh, laughed at us. Five, yeah. There's five belly dumps in front of me. I'm just turning out of the spur, and they all just went past. So yeah. I'm behind all of the guys. Ugh. Darn it. Anyway, so yeah, the extermination guy laughed at us, and he was all, well, you live on a farm, so there's pretty much nothing I can do except for lay traps out and uh, wish you the best of luck. <laughs> so that was fun, but we figured it out. We got, we got the bug bombs. We got four packages for the house. How we just go overkill, and it kills all the mice and all of the everything else. So, yeah. yeah anyway. Okay. okay. We'll uh, you on. The... Yeah. Yep. I did, and I'm gonna keep on reading. It starts off with uh, this next page, page 15. Starts off with President Joseph F. Smith suggests that the best time to overcome the weak weaknesses of the flesh is now. Um, this doesn't say where it says this. This just says that that person says it, which um, makes me kind of suspicious. But this comes from, let's see, Melvin J. Ballard quote comes from Three Degrees of Glory pamphlet, pamphlet, Second Renewal Salt Lake City, Utah Magazine, Printing and Publishing, 1975, page 12. This next I don't have that um, pamphlet, but I was telling him that, like, all of the books that he was quoting from, I have all those books in the library. So I have a lot of these books where these quotes come from, but I don't have them all. Okay, and then something suspicious um, on this page, on page 15. It says um, number eight is Spencer W. Kimball, uh, The Miracle of Forgiveness, Bookcraft 1969, page 11, is where this next quote is supposed to be found, I suspect. Um, and, but it doesn't say Spencer W. Kimball said it. It said Joseph F. Smith suggests that. So, um, a lot of times when you're doing research and you're looking and trying to investigate when it has this book said that this person said that. And when you get all of those, it kind of gets suspicious as to where it actually came from or if it was just. 
or if it was just like somebody said that once and so now everybody said, oh, yeah. Spencer Kimball quoted Joseph F. Smith in his book, and Spencer Kimball's book, Miracle of Forgiveness, and that's why he's quoting Spencer Kimball, quoting Joseph F. Smith. But the one that I think is the funniest is when Ogden Kraut quotes him his his book. Himself? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. And I said this in this book. And I'm like, I don't care that you said that. Why do I care? Like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, yeah, he, he's done that a couple of times. And we're like, well, he'll say, uh, you know, the quote, and then he'll give a reference, and it'll be one of his uh, other books that he said. So, whatever. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. That's okay. So, um, President Joseph F. Smith suggests that the best time to overcome the weaknesses of the flesh is now. Quote, when we go out of this life, leave this body, we will desire to do many things that we cannot do at all without the body. We will be seriously handicapped, and we will long for the body. We will pray for that early reunion with our bodies. We will know then what advantage it is to have a body. Then every man and woman who is putting off until the next life the task of correcting and overcoming the weakness of the flesh are sentencing themselves to years of bondage for no man or woman will come forth in the resurrection until they have completed their work, until they have overcome, until they have done as much as they can do. Now, consider when will, will we be eligible for the inheritance of a celestial body. For those who are in the spirit world, it is when the Savior returns to the earth and the millennium begins. For those who are living on the earth when the Savior comes, it will be when they reach the age of man or old age and shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And it quotes, sorry, I'm hiccuping at the same time. It quotes DNC 63 verses 50 through 51. And that's the one that I already had pulled up on my phone. And so that says... And he that liveth when the Lord shall come and hath kept the faith, blessed is he. Excuse me. Nevertheless, it is appointed to him to die at the age of man. Verse 51, wherefore children shall grow up until they become old. Old men shall die, but they shall not sleep in the dust, but they shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's interesting because it's saying they're not going to be put in the ground, sleep in, um, in the dust. They'll just be changed in the twinkling of an eye. <clears throat> Wherefore, for this cause, preach the apostles unto the world the resurrection of the dead. Okay. So, um, back to the book. I had a vision. Oh, did you have something to say? Okay. Yeah, I had a vision once uh, where God showed me that, um, that when he came, that uh, all of the righteous faithful were taken up in the air. And all of the heathen that were righteous, but they did not have the opportunity here to hear the gospel, they were translated in a way that, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were translated, um, so that they could endure the fire, but they did not know what was happening. They knew that they saw the second coming, they saw the burning, they were protected, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fire. And that um, it was that in one generation, the children of the tribe of Ephraim went among all of these individuals 
and converted them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and every knee bowed and every tongue would confess, but that these individuals were translated uh, in a way where they could not be touched by the fire, which I thought was very interesting. And I was sharing that with somebody on one of the Zoom calls a week or two ago, and he he said, oh, that's in the scriptures, or something something like that was in the scriptures, which I thought was interesting, because um, I didn't know that that was there, but... Oh, um, yeah, I'll just mute myself again. Okay. Oh, you know what? I did want to say something. <laughs> okay. I wish that James Cox knew about Joseph Smith's lecture at the Grove, which teaches the doctrine of multiple mortal probations. Because if he understood those things, his book would be a little bit different. But I think it's okay. I mean, it goes along with mainstream Mormonism beliefs today uh, because they just ignore the lecture at the Grove and multiple mortal probations. You know, so he kind of has a judgment problem about what happens with each of these individuals who doesn't prepare exactly right and they don't get to be a celestial whatever. You know, God puts us down on this planet to go through certain uh, situations to grow, to gain a better resurrection. And we come into the resurrection, and in that state of resurrection, we're damned. However, in the book of Revelations, when it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, it's talking about a new earth that is created, and this is the preexistence for that earth. And God told me that in the state of resurrection that we're damned, but we can put off the resurrected body and go on a new earth and go through other experiences to gain more knowledge and more experiences to gain a higher resurrection. And this is a process of eons of time to become a, a God, to become exalted. So this is not the only life that there is. Um, you know, but if you don't prepare, then you don't gain the new resurrection. And as long as you're not a son of perdition, you have the opportunity to come back on a new earth. Anyway, go ahead, Kim. Okay. Um, I just was going to say um, thank you a whole lot for this light that you gave me for my birthday. <laughs> so, um in the living room in the house, it's kind of dark if you sit in, you know, the chairs. So I don't think that we have them placed right. Or maybe we need, like, spotlights coming down so that it's better lit. Um, so when I'm sitting in here, I'm always trying to tilt the book one way or the other to be able to read it and see it in the light. So um, you got me this headlamp, and I have it on right now. And it's awesome because it's hands-free. But it's super bright, and so I can actually hold the book comfortably in front of me, which also I, I know it's hard to tell for some people, but um, I don't know if you can tell, Mark, because you are my husband and you know how well I read. But I actually do a lot better <laughs> this way. So I just want to say, hey, thanks. This is pretty cool. I like it. Also, um, by note, area says too. You. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, you can push the, the button on it. And you can uh, have different levels of light. So 
Oh, There's I didn't know three that. different levels. Yeah. I got a push button. Oh, I didn't find one. Right Emmett says it's on the lowest one right now. He's the one who helped me set it up oh. while I was reading. <laughs> um, and Arius likes it too. He came light. to sit with me. He's like, I'm going to read with you because they had the light on my head. <laughs> it was so cute. So uh, Arius is our two-year-old. He'll be three in June. <laughs> um, yeah. So Kim got a number of gifts for her birthday. And they're all things that she needed that she refuses to buy for herself. Even though I've been like, True story. Kim, you need to buy these. <laughs> and she's like, I will. And then she doesn't. So she got muck boots. Nice, comfortable, warm. I actually have those to on too. <laughs> yeah, because we live on a farm. And oh my gosh, it is muddy on this farm right now. Yep. <sighs> yeah, our daughter's. They refuse to put shoes on, and they go and play in the mud, and then they come in with their feet all covered in mud and track it all over the house. Anyway, <laughs> um, but also, like, Kim goes and checks on the animals at night when she gets home, and, like, sometimes it's in the middle of the night, and she doesn't have a flashlight. Well, I work at night, so I have a flashlight. So I went and got her one that's like mine, and I also got her a hat. And uh, a headlamp so that she can have the headlamp on. And she's got the curl, the cowgirl hat. What is it? Is it an Ariat hat? An Ariat hat? Is that what you just said? Ariat. Like the oh, Ariat. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it says on it. It does have some kind of symbol thing. I don't know. It, it, it has pink camouflage. <laughs> yeah and it's kind of not like I don't know it's kind of like trees like pink and trees on it yeah yeah country girl stuff yeah and I like it anyway alright okay. I'm going to so, mute myself again I'm going to start by reading with uh, Bruce R. McConkie um, in Mormon Doctrine page 640 and it says, Bruce Abakanti reviews the morning of the first resurrection, quote, those being resurrected with celestial bodies whose destiny is to inherit a celestial kingdom will come forth in the morning of the first resurrection. Their graves shall be opened and they shall be caught up to meet the Lord at his second coming. It appears that the best time to repent and become clean is today. Why? We do not know how long we have on the earth. Today may be our last day. Therefore, today is not only our best day to repent, it may be our only day. Um, continuing on with questions, uh, we're on page 16 if you had anything. I know you just uh, added to it, but if you had anything to add to that, we are on page 16. Jim, just read the page numbers, and I will interrupt you when I okay. have something to say. So I'll unmute Sounds myself. Good. You'll be able to hear the road noise and all of this stuff. And then when you're done reading, what a and you can let me break in, that's when I will say a thing. Okay. Um, and we only okay. have about one page left, a little over one page. Um, so if you wanted to call in, um, have any questions or comments, the call-in number is 917-889-8827. Um, so, and I will continue on reading. Question. How long does one have to qualify for exaltation? Answer. 
as far as becoming perfect to gain the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, we have this life of mortality plus the spirit world time, assuming we die before the second coming plus 1,000 years of the millennium. The final judgment does not take place until the end of the millennium. The key is to qualify for celestial inheritance each day and not be so concerned about perfection now. By so doing, we will receive a celestial body when the Savior comes, and then we can continue to progress until we are able to develop the attributes of God. Thus we become perfect, even as our Father in Heaven is perfect. During the millennium, Satan will be tied up for a thousand years, and Jesus Christ will preside over his people. DNC 88.110 says, quote, and so, oh, let me start with 109. Sorry, um, 109. And then shall the second angel sound his trump and reveal the secret acts of men and the thoughts and intents of their hearts and the mighty works of God in the second thousand years. Verse 110. And so on until the seventh angel shall sound his trump and he shall stand forth upon the land and upon the sea and swear in the name of him who sitteth upon the throne that there shall be time no longer and Satan shall be bound that old serpent who is called the devil and shall not be loosed for the space of a thousand years. And then verse 111 says, and then he shall be loosed for a little season that he may gather together his armies. And Michael, the seventh angel, even the archangel shall gather together his armies, even the hosts of heaven. Um, Anyways, let's go back over into the book. All the celestial filth will be burned from the earth. That is, all the R and X movies, drugs, pornography, etc. will be removed. Our wives and daughters will be able to walk in the woods at 2 a.m. and never have any fears. All the liars, adulterers, and those who make afraid will be gone. Who among us? clothed with celestial bodies and presided over by Christ and the prophets, with Satan and wickedness gone, could not learn to abide by the commandments in 1,000 years. We all can if we're willing to take the Holy Ghost as our guide in this life. And this is a quote from DNC 4556-57, quote, And at that day when I shall come in my glory shall the parable be, Fulfilled, which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived shall abide the day. End quote from DNC 45, 56-57. President Marion G. Romney said, and this is from Marion G. Romney Conference Report, October 1979, page 20. Plan of, um, sorry, spirituality comes by faith repentance, baptism, and reception of the Holy Ghost. One who has the companionship of the Holy Ghost is in harmony with God. He is, therefore, spiritual. Spirituality is sustained by so living as to keep that companionship. All of the effort to prepare ourselves to receive the gift of the celestial kingdom is worth it. Jesus Christ did 90% of all the work that is necessary to meet the demands of justice in our behalf. All we need to do is walk by the Spirit daily and press forward. Does that give us hope? It should. If we feel the presence of Spirit in our lives, the light of our hope should glow brighter. And that's the end of that um, chapter. 
And now chapter two, I'm supposing we're reading tomorrow, unless if he wants me to continue, how to qualify for the celestial kingdom, which is super exciting because everybody wants to know really what that is going to be all about, right? I am excited for it. Yeah, we can finish. Uh, we can be done with today. Um, so um, uh, I would like to invite anybody who's listening right now uh, to the Zoom calls on Mondays and Tuesday nights. Um, if you go to doctrineofchrist.com, you'll see join a meeting or join a Zoom call. And tonight they're going to be talking about keys of the priesthood. Now, these individuals do not believe in plural celestial marriage. And we have, I have a number of things that I disagree with uh, the people who are in charge of this phone call. But there is a lot more that I, that I do agree with. And I, uh, these guys, they know things that, um, that most people in the LDS church, they don't. Mm-hmm. So they have a deeper level of understanding, but at the same time, um, on key points of doctrine, they fall flat on their face. And uh, it's sad, but it is what it is. And you know what? Um, I, I do voice my opposition to them sometimes, but... Um, they don't know that I have these keys that uh, that the Father gave me directly in 2003, and I'm not trying to be taking over their meetings. Uh, but I do want to hear what people have to say, and I wish I could place these the whole meeting on the uh, on my podcast. Uh, but what they do is they uh, so tonight there will be a YouTube video on Doctrine of Christ channel, and uh, and then we'll go to the Zoom meetings. They don't record the Zoom meetings, which I think is very unfortunate, um, because there's so much that is talked about. So they basically, they record and post the YouTubes or the podcast of the lesson, and then they don't give any of the recordings for the, the discussion. Um, and usually there's between 80 to 100 people on the call. So, um, but I think that a lot of the stuff that they have to talk about is really good and beneficial. So I do suggest people go in and, and listen. Um, there's a couple things that drive me nuts. Okay, so uh, Phil Davis went on a rant about how the name of our Savior is Jesus because it says that in the Doctrine and Covenants. And that was his name in mortality. And I think that's just completely ignorant because there are no J sounds in the Hebrew alphabet. His name was Yeshua, and he was actually fighting against that name. Uh, Because Jesus, um, and I had a bishop, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, I I don't know. Anyway, I said, did you know that the name of, of Jesus when he was alive in mortality was Yeshua, and he freaked out. Oh, the living prophets say that his name is Jesus. You're lying to me. And I'm like, in Mexico, they call him Jesus. But in Jesus the Christ, uh, on page 35, it says that Jesus' name in mortality was Yeshua. And he's like, I don't care what it says. And I was like, he was an apostle 
he wrote that book in the Salt Lake Temple, and he, you know, James Talmadge, and he was like, I don't care what he says, we have living prophets and apostles today, and I'm like, he was an apostle in the flippin' LDS church, you know, and scholars agree that his name was Yeshua, you know, but this guy, Phil Davis, and my bishop, they flip out about stuff like that, and I don't know, I know, well, I know that, that God is very patient with the restoration, and he did not finish the restoration. And uh, things like the Sabbath being on the Lord's Day, I believe that he allowed that because he understood that people were not ready for the correct Sabbath. And also as part of the Day of the Gentile, whatever. So um, there's other things too, like they don't believe that the Melchizedek priesthood uh, was on the earth and they make up all kinds of excuses and they go through mental mental gymnastics. So the last one that I heard when I kind of confronted one of the presenters about it was in section 124, it says, uh, Jesus says, build a temple unto my name, whereby the Most High can come to all therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. And I was like, look, in order for Jesus, or you have to build a temple in Jesus' name for the Most High, that he may come. It's not talk, Jesus is the thing, I'm going to do it. Because they were trying to say that before, and I brought this up before. I'm like, look, this is talking about the Father. And in order to come into the presence of the Father for him to restore something to the earth, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to be in his presence. So how is it possible that it was the Melchizedek priesthood that he was talking about? This guy actually said, well, Joseph still had the priesthood. And I was like, then why did the Father have to come restore something that was already on the earth if it was still on the earth? And then he, like, came up with this, like, on-the-fly excuse because they're Olympic level, on steroid Olympic level, uh, mental gymnast. He said, well, Joseph just, he didn't have the keys to give it to anybody else, but he still had it. Like, Wow. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 gives us a correct principle. When you believe a lie, and that could be the lies of false doctrine, you receive strong delusion that you might be damned because you do not love the truth. And that goes for all of these people that make up stuff to make their theology fit with the scriptures. When the scriptures contradict your theology, Joseph said, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you have to set them down as imposters. But these guys will fly all over the place on, on flipping, what are those things that they hang from with the, they flip up in the air, a trapeze? Yeah, they're on a trapeze, they're acrobats. Acrobat. Yeah, they, they're like, yep. they're flying around on those ropes, no stability, like just whatever they got to do to make their theology fit the scriptures instead of getting the correct interpretation from the Father through revelation. 
And the other thing, too, um, I have a problem with they, they speak down against the fruit of the Spirit because they were deceived in the past because they assumed certain things uh, and the Spirit testified of certain things, so they would assume a bunch of other stuff. And they will, uh, they try to, to um, make excuses and say, oh, you can't trust your feelings. You can't trust the fruit of the spirit. You can only trust the whisperings. And I, I was like last night, I was like, uh, you know, in the scripture it says that he will speak to your mind and to your heart, you know. Um, but they, so I would just, I do think that there's a lot people can learn. And tonight they're going to be talking about the keys, but it's with all things that I teach. There's a lot that is to be learned, but if you don't go to God and get revelation on each of the topics that we're studying for yourself, then you will be damned. Because the celestial kingdom has some of Christ, some of Paul, some of Joseph Smith, whatever. Uh, and the reason it says Christ is because people, they'll like take the scriptures and they hear the words, of the prophet or the redeemer, but they, their interpretation is not from God. God wants to give us revelation. We are supposed to be built upon the rock of revelation. And that goes for Bill Davis and all the people who listen to him. And I like Bill, but there are things that he teaches that are judoscope type of things. And people need to be aware of it. And don't just listen to anything that I have to say or that Phil Davis has to say or Dustin Grady or Dustin Smith or Isabel or whatever his name is. Like, these people are teaching by the precepts of men mingled with Scripture. And they don't think that what they're teaching is wrong because they have had a confirmation of the Spirit, but at the same time they reject the fruit of the Spirit. It is a very odd thing that they're doing. But I just want people to know it's good to listen to, but you need to be wary. But I still suggest people listen. So, And that's tonight at 8 o'clock on the Doctrine of Christ channel, which you'll be able to watch the, you know, after the recording is over with. And p.m. people... Join the conversation. I know you don't want to listen to or join the conversation here, but you should join the conversation there. So, anyway, Kim, I am on the mine road. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. So, um, if there's anything that you have to say, then you can say it now. And if not, then use uh, the music. And we'll be back on tomorrow with the next chapter. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say um, I do appreciate the opportunity to be able to do this tonight. I know that um, I'm super busy most of the time. But when um, you need help with, you know, the radio show and stuff, I always try to make it a priority um, to do it too. And I know that it makes you try to make it easier for me because I am 
super busy, but I do like to do this and I do appreciate the opportunity to be able to do this. I wish that I had more time to study, you know, individually with each of my kids and study individually with you also. Um, it just seems like there's never enough time in the day. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to say that. So, thanks. Oh. I'm glad that you didn't didn't create a radio show without me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to get them done so you don't have to do them, but I think that this book would be beneficial for you to read and we can talk about because, I, I don't know, I just think it's a good it's a good book. So, um, oh, I wanted to say something, too. Okay. So I got a message in my messenger today, um, or last night at midnight-ish, and this individual said, thank you so much for sharing your comments in the Zoom call. And I looked at the last message that she sent me, which was in 2011 and 2010, and she basically said the same thing back then as she said, to, uh, like, last night. And she called me Laz, which is one of my nicknames from way back. Anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, like, I've talked to this individual in over 10 years, and she's thanking me for whatever I was saying. Okay, anyway, I'm by the mine, so... Uh, yeah, I can hear you uh, being by of, the mine. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of other guys and gals that like to say all the things, so I got to go. Um, go ahead and cue the music, and I will call okay. you after the music is over with. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye. Mm-hmm. 